We're making an ad. Napping yeah. ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm-hmm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been canceled? Wait, is Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> So, um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. It is mind-blowing and heartbreaking how many original scripts are written every year but are never made. So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! Uh, you know, we said before that we had pretty much ran out of New Year's movies to talk about and that we weren't going to talk about Terror Train. And for now, I'm content with sticking with that plan. Maybe I'll rewatch Terror Train one day and say, you know what? I think we could get an episode out of this. But I was hanging out thinking about Ghostbusters 2, as I'm known to do. And I was like, <laughs> wait a second. Ghostbusters 2 is a New Year's Eve movie. <laughs> and immediately was like, yo, we're going to talk about Ghostbusters 2 because when I was a kid, I actually thought that that was better than the first Ghostbusters movie, which Mm. I still enjoy this movie, but I'm very wrong with that assessment as a child. But I think that there's a lot of fun with Ghostbusters 2 and there's a lot of gooiness in Ghostbusters 2 that the first movie lacks because it's just like slime everywhere. The whole fucking movie. I am about that life. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think right out the gate, the movie starts off no context whatsoever, just the words five years later, which is <laughs> so funny. And I don't think it was intended to be funny, but it made me laugh. The first like 10 minutes of this movie, I was actually kind of shocked at how much foreshadowing is in the opening sequence, like the first three or four sequences of this movie. Because I'm sure every person listening knows Ghostbusters 2. I don't think this is a new watch for anybody. The slime that's underneath New York City is associated with emotions. And the more angry people are, the more aggressive the slime becomes. So the opening scene, you have Dana pushing her baby carriage. And everyone she's passing is like cliched pissed off asshole New Yorker fighting with a cop screaming at this that or the other thing she asks like her landlord to just hold bags and he's like a real dickhole about it like it's just like all of these things implying and setting up the world of like New York at its most miserable 
And then the very next scene after she like has to chase down her baby, she's meeting with Egon, who's talking about like how he's studying emotions and that, you know, he's trying to see what the different effects are of like negative emotions versus positive emotions. And it is like, as a kid, I don't think I pieced together how smart that is of like, it's kind of exposition, but it's not because it's very like, it's pushing the plot forward in its placement. I really was like, I, my notes kind of stopped for a while because I just got so sucked into enjoying the fun of Ghostbusters 2. Am I alone in this? Were you guys miserable? Was was I the only one that oh, no, had this I, much Oh, no, I had an absolute blast watching this. <laughs> like, this isn't the best Ghostbusters, you know, obviously, but there's, like, uh, nothing There's nothing in this movie that rubs me the wrong way, you know? Yeah, Which no, is, it's not a bad movie. But but I think, like, we have, to, we have to linger on this for a quick second because, like, Scott has been very on, <laughs> on the record of not liking specifically like 80s and early 90s Bill Murray. And this is 80s and 90s Bill Murray at his Bill Murrayest. But, but also, even uh, yeah, I, I have notes about what he's such, I said, I actually say Venkman is such a prick and, it, and yeah. I have a note that says that. But like, here's the thing is that there's less of him being, uh, there's, I feel like he's less of a character in this than he was in the first one. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I think that I mean, there's less. I, there's literally less screen time for him, and that's why I, I think this movie works well for me because he sucks so fucking hard. But I think that they definitely they leaned into like, hey, let's also examine the lives of the other four guys in the Ghostbusters a little bit more. Like the highlight of this movie for me, and it's still one of my Egon. favorite scenes. Well, Egon's great wow. throughout the whole movie, but like the scene where the other three Ghostbusters have to go and search the train tracks while Venkman goes on a date, like that whole scene in the abandoned train tracks is awesome. It's just a good, like well-paced spooky scene of like characters that normally didn't get any screen time away from Bill Murray in the first movie. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed that scene. The part with Venkman that I do, I think the introduction of Venkman is the funniest part in the whole of, of his character is him hosting this like, oh yeah the the so world of the psychic had a room at the holiday in paramus <laughs> well the line that i like is when he just goes the world is going to end on new year midnight on new year's eve and he's like this year <laughs> i mean just from a sales perspective yeah. that's not a good idea the guy the best part is him going through that speech and he's like you know you're going to miss out on the movie rights you're going to miss out on paperbacks and you see the guy i think it's bill mary's brother actually playing the character he's like kind of sweating a little bit <laughs> and he's like like he's doing this brilliant face acting where you can tell that like in his brain he's like realizing that he probably should have picked a different t- year it's very funny it's the whole vigo like Vigo, 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 Vigo. I mean, yeah. that fucking guy is hilarious. Yeah, uh, he's so awesome. funny. <laughs> and and, and uh, he's the I don't I can't remember his real name, but he's also the guy in Dragon Slayer, which is a great high fantasy film. I loved a lot of his movies too. Dracula Dead and Loving It and Bean. Bean. <laughs> <laughs> but he also has some of the coolest, like he's got a lot of really cool scare scenes in this. Like Oh, the and his eyes glow. Yeah. Oh my god, the headlight eyes is so cool. He's when he's dressed as the like gnarly ass nanny, and his arm shoots out to grab the baby. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's there's some real. This movie has some really really cool scenes, and I think that it goes a lot darker than the first movie did in a lot of ways. Like again, that train sequence, like. The first oh, Ghostbusters yeah. movie wouldn't have decapitated heads on pikes. Like that's 
that's definitely like, hey, we can do whatever we want with the second film. I've always loved, when I was a kid, my favorite scene is that scene in the bathtub, though, where the yeah. tub fills with that yeah. slime and the whole, like, it's like a giant puppet. Like, that's insane. You know, that's the one thing that I'll say, and it's not even a diss, but I remember that being way gnarlier when I was yeah. a kid. Like, it, it's pretty tame now, but the, but what's really weird about it is that that's the scene that I remember more than anything from that and when they're dropping Dan Aykroyd's character. Oh, Ray into the... Ray into the, into the sewer, and then he's like, uh, uh, pull me up, because, like, the, the things are... Co- the tendrils are coming after him. Yeah, Those oh, two God. scenes were what remind, what stuck in my mind from being a kid. Not the heads on pikes scene. Yeah. I don't know how I wasn't destroyed by that shit, and I think it was because I blocked it out. <laughs> the scene, the scene where Ray's dangling like a couple hundred feet above this giant puddle of slime. That scene where they're all playing the role of dumb construction workers in oh, New York. Oh yeah, that's, is that's, so... that is Egon's best scene too. I mean, he's so well because I think I never realized like his character is absolutely so socially inept in scenes and like can't think on his feet. So I love how panicked he is whenever they throw to him to say anything and he just gets like one word in. We skipped my favorite Egon moment. My parents didn't believe in toys. No, no, that is a great scene, but it's in the very beginning when Dana comes to talk to him and she's like, He's talking about how he's studying the reactions of, like, sadness and joy on people. And then she, like, says, well, look, you and Ray can work on this, but I don't want Peter involved. And he's like, no, obviously. And then she goes, does he ever mention me? And he goes, no. And then when she turns around, he, like, slowly scans her to read the emotions. <laughs> it is so good. It's such a good background joke. So you, it was the, him dangling from the ceiling in the bathtub. For me, the two scenes that have always stuck with me is the bathtub scene and the court case. The court case scene with the Scolari brothers is so (laughs) fucking good. Oh, it's the Scolari brothers. brothers. Like, well, I mean, Rick Moranis as like the worst lawyer on the planet (laughs) is so Rick Moranis in this, this is one of, this is my second favorite Rick Moranis, you know? Like, obviously number one is Little Shop and, and then... Ghostbusters 2 is my other favorite. When Peter Venkman's on the bench and he's just muttering nonsense and Rick Moranis is just talking over top of it. He's just like, <laughs> he's like know, trying he to tell him what to say. Yes. Objection, leading the witness. Leave me alone. We're both lawyers. <laughs> it's like his, his opening line is, once I got turned into a dog and they saved me. Thank you, Your Honor. <laughs> like, and also we get him saying Annie Potts, um, who I have like one degree of separation from. And I will tell you about that in a second here. But when he, when Annie is like, oh, I'm going to go watch um, the baby tonight. You should come over. He's like, well, I don't have his address. Uh, well, I guess I can get his address from his W-2. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but that killed me so fucking hard. I'd never caught that until this watch. What oh, What the hell did he say? He, like, completely massacres a legal term when he's talking, when he's trying to get the court case thrown out. And he's like, yeah, you put a distraining order on him or whatever that blue slip was she handed to me. <laughs> he crushes it in this movie. Just, Annie Potts has the one line where she's like, you know, I'd like to have a baby sometime. And he goes, he's tonight? Like, tonight? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Their, their chemistry in this is so fucking good. Like, it's, it's it went way over my head as a kid. Like, I knew that they were, like, sexy time. But, like... 
so fucking funny. And so here's the story about Amy Potts. So Megan worked at a um, a very prestigious camp in the Sierra Nevadas in California. And basically all of the kids that came, all the campers, were rich kids people. Uh, or rich people's kids, sorry. Um, and, and so Annie Potts' son went there. And so... She and she's kept in contact with them. I mean, not like friends, friends, but you know, she could be like, you know, we're in California. We could literally call him up and be like, "Hey, can you, my husband meet Amy Potts?" <laughs> <laughs> I would take her up on that shit. I would love to meet Amy Potts just to be like, "Hey, it's Amy Potts." You know, I like we were talking about a while back, where it's not like I would fawn over her is just be like fucking cool little feather in your cap like hey it's any pots i just had lunch with any pots but the other thing that like i love about ghostbusters 2 that we, we really haven't talked about yet but i was bitching about last week in krampus is the pacing the pacing in this movie is so good i think it's better than the ghostbusters 1 pacing because we get vigo and the river of slime by the 22 minute mark i actually wrote down the timestamp because i was like god damn it's as faster than i remember it being yeah, no, it moves. And I, I just looked up the quotes because I wanted to get Lewis's full opening statement to the court. As he says, Your Honor and ladies and gentlemen of the audience, I don't think it's fair to call my clients frauds. Sure, the blackout was a big problem for everybody. I was trapped in an elevator for two hours and I had to make the whole time. <laughs> but, I, but I don't blame them because one time I turned into a dog and they helped me. Thank you. <laughs> and I, I can't help but have to wonder when he says... I was trapped in an elevator for two hours and I had to make the whole time. If that's supposed to be like him saying like I had to pass the time or is he saying that he had to take a shit the whole time? He had to that's so fucking funny. I didn't read realize as I was reading until I read that that he was saying that he had to Who basically... had ever said make as in pass the time? I don't know. Ah, oh, well, hey, Brian, I hope you know what movie we're watching next week. It's the one that, <laughs> that Matt picked, and everybody talks like this in it. <laughs> yeah, see? Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, the movie is just, I agree with you. The pacing in this movie is so much fun. I feel like they really, you know, a lot of the things that the critics had against this movie was they were like, it's a total rehash of the first movie. But I, I disagree, and I, I've talked about before why Dream Warriors is kind of looked at as like one of the ultimate sequels and why, you know, movies like Freddy's revenge didn't really catch on right away is that when people go to see a sequel, there's two things they don't want. One thing is that they don't want it to be a completely like out of left field change of what they're used to, but they also don't want to literally just see a carbon copy of the movie that they liked. But if you can take all of the elements that they liked and elevate it and just twist it a little bit, then you can make a really good sequel. And I feel like that's like Dream Warriors is taking everything that works in the original movie and elevating it just a little bit. And I think that Ghostbusters does the Ghostbusters 2 does the same thing. It takes all of the beats of the first film, but it elevates it and amps it up and like throws throws more budget into special effects. Throws more budget into like, hey, let's have some really cool like really gnarly looking ghosts like the Scleri brothers look fucking awesome they look so cool and then i like that we find them kind of down and out like i love ray and winston having to like go deal with a bunch of <laughs> shitty kids at a party at the beginning of this movie because they're just he like man, he man. He man. <laughs> i've said this before 
But this soundtrack is also pretty damn good because you got the Run DMC re- remix of the Ghostbusters theme, mm-hmm. and you've got that Bobby Brown song, which is so fucking oh, good. Oh, man. I had it on <laughs> it, tape, dude. I, dude. I listened to this incessantly. <laughs> dude, that Bobby... And Chris Fafios has brought that song up at least three times on One Hit Thunder because he's like, I want to get on a soundtrack where my job is to write a 30-second rap that sums up the entire plot of a movie <laughs> in the middle of a dance song. <laughs> I even love... I think that the high point in both Ghostbusters movies is the New York under siege with ghosts montage scenes. Always. So like... Like, you know, so in the first one, good. you've got that awesome scene where it's like Slimer pops out eating the hot dogs and you've got the skeleton cab driver. Skeleton and cab drivers. Like, oh, it's, it's so good. And then this one, you've got the two big ones are the fur coat coming to life. Oh, oh, that's so good. It's so good. It looks so good. It's like such a good gag. And then the Titanic arrive. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's Cheech for some reason as one of the dock workers, but like. So weird. It, it was better late than never, I guess. Yeah. Like, oh, it's so I, good. Um, just nothing to do with Ghostbusters. I just really want to tell you this. I thought Uncle John's friend wrote the Ghostbusters song, like one of Uncle John's close friends. And yeah. he didn't, but he did write Rock Till You Drop from Monster Squad. Oh, wait. What do you mean that's one of. Wait. Mike Mike Cimbello? Yeah, Mike Cimbello is like from Ardmore. He's like one. He knows Uncle John really well. Fucking what? What? So wait. So Scott's over here bragging about being one degree of separation from Annie Potts through his wife. And we're one degree of separation from the dude who wrote fucking Maniac and Rock Until You Drop and the Monster Squad rap by an uncle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Cimbello. And and you're how many... How year? How many days old are you? Knowing that this this is, is insane. How, I'm gonna yell at Uncle John next time I see him. He knows I'm in a Monster Squad documentary. This should have came up by now. Yeah, and but... also maybe then we could have had my cover of the monster of Rock Until You Drop in the Monster Squad <laughs> documentary. Son of a bitch! That's yeah. so funny. That's you crazy. have failed me for the last time. <laughs> so I worked with this guy Lenny, who grew up with my mom, but he knew my Uncle John really well. And then one day he was just like, he was talking, he's like, yeah, John's a great guy. And, you know, our good friend, Mike, you know, Mike Cimbello. And I was like, yeah, when I didn't. And, <laughs> and then and Matt I and I are fucking pre- shitting our pants right now. Yeah, and the only reason that I've remembered it this many years later with all the drugs is because from that point on, every time Lenny saw me, he'd go, Mike Cimbello, great guy, great guy. And I go, oh, yeah, he was. So I wrote down my last note is it just says, I like that this movie's thesis is that even Motown cannot be resisted by an evil slime because I agree. There's no, if you don't smile when you hear a Motown song, I don't need you in my life. That is like the most feel good, happy music on the planet. And also, you know, we were talking about a lot of the spooky scenes that happen in this movie, like the heads on the spikes and the the Winston like voice. And there's there's a lot of good scares, but honestly, Ray with Vigo's head on his body was like ah! always really unsettling yeah. to oh, me. Oh yeah, it, it, I hate that effect. It's like <laughs> it's a really good mask. Yeah, it's, I mean, this movie is, I, I, I'm almost, I mean, we've talked about, like, fuck the critics before, but, like, it is a bummer that this movie kind of was shit on, and, like, I know that at least half of the cast didn't enjoy doing this one, but, man, I love it. I love this movie so much, and, like, I really do, I, I look back at, like, 
the Ghostbusters movies in general and can't help but think like, what a crazy idea. Like, <laughs> like what a, like what an insane idea Cocaine. of, well, no, I mean, yeah, cocaine for sure. But like, what an insane idea of like, let's do a horror movie about guys who fight ghosts, but let's get the like biggest names in eighties sketch comedy to write and star in it and then see what the combination comes out as. Like, it's such a risky move. And then you think about, like, the original cast was going to be, I think John Belushi was originally supposed to play Bill Murray's role. And I think Eddie Murphy was originally supposed to play the Winston role, like, when they first were making it. And mm-hmm. it's just, like... That wouldn't was... have, but that, that wouldn't have worked. Winston no. has to be the straight man. He has to be the straight man, and he has to be... Like, it. I think it... It works that Winston wasn't the big established name that everybody else was because he also has to be. And they said this. They they made the change because they were like, in the original script, like Winston was always a member of the Ghostbusters, and they changed oh, yeah. it because they're like, he needs to be the audience. He needs to represent the audience stepping into this world who can ask the scientific questions that the three scientists already know the answers to. Otherwise, there's no reason for them to ever explain the science. It's insane because I, I today I was having a really in-depth conversation with Robert Bacon about the art of comedy, and we were talking about the 80s comedies from like Doug Kinney and Harold Ramis and stuff and how those movies, they really show the the art form of like, there is an, an intellect to writing a good comedy. And we were talking about like ghost, we talked about both Ghostbusters and Groundhog's Day and how in both of those movies, it can be 10 to 15 minutes before the first true joke comes into the movie because they... Do what you're supposed to do in comedy, which is, like, build the world, build the characters, let us know who everybody is, and then let us laugh at who they are in their personalities. You let it slowly build organically by, like, a place of truth. We're making an ad. Napping ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm. He listens to the podcast every week. Has he been canceled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> so, um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The <laughs> Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! I got I got two double features, so I'll let you two go first, because I think one of you will take one of them, but not the other. Uh, Nothing But Trouble, starring Dan Aykroyd. You haven't even seen Nothing But Trouble, starring Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> I know, neither. All right, I'll pair it with something else I haven't seen, but I always talk about Nine Lives with Kevin Spacey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott, how about you take what I think is the most glaring obvious one? Oh, Blob 88. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was one of mine. The other one that I had written down, there was a scene where they're walking through the abandoned train tracks and Dan Aykroyd 
just keeps making comments about how like he's heard of these giant killer rats down there. And I was like, man, I want to watch Graveyard Shift right now. Oh. So, I, I mean, there's really nothing else that connects the two except for that one line. But, I don't know, I could watch some Graveyard Shift. I'd like to see the Graveyard Shift movie where the Ghostbusters come and solve the problem for the mill. And finally, everyone's favorite segment of the show, what did we watch this week? Brian, since you uh, you know, went first with your double feature, uh, anything else that you watched? Uh, Big Mouth. It's I good. Watched, I'm almost done. Yeah. It's good. I like it. So, I don't like it as much. Do you feel like, like after I finished watching it in retrospect, I feel like the first three episodes could have just been a big mouth movie. Feels kind of like it bridges where season three ended and season four begins, but it also feels like its own standalone story separated from the rest of the season. Yeah, like that was good. It, it, I'm not done the season yet. It's just, yeah. I think Nick, uh, Nick Kroll got scared because he got like crucified by Twitter last year and like is trying too hard now when like what he was doing now i don't know it's it's so hard for me to really put my opinion on it you know i'm like trying my best to tiptoe around it but it's just like you have to understand that twitter isn't always people with like good intentions it it can sometimes just be 90 percent of the time it's not yeah, yeah it could just be people that just like want to complain to complain i'll ask a very um open-ended question did you get to the crossover episode yes that was funny pen that was crossover. amazing yeah they did a pen 15 crossover where Maya and annie that episode they were making a statement and it worked so well because yeah. it wasn't like you know what i mean it, it uh i don't know yeah no it's it's a good it, it's a good season it's not the i mean the first season's incredible but mm-hmm. yeah I, I really, the first three episodes, though, I think are fantastic. Um, how about you, Scott? Oh, fuck. Um, hey, well, I had a quick question for you guys. Do you remember that um, that Ghostbusters toy where it was the Ghostbusters trap and it was, like, hydraulic? You could stomp on the... Yes. Did you yes, guys have you know. one? Yes, we yeah, did. Yeah, we did. Oh, I wish I still... I might go on eBay and try and find one. We've. I mean, we could go on tangents for days, and we've done it before just about... How incredible the the Ghostbusters toys action line was! Like, just hundreds and hundreds of incredible creative toys. Yeah. So Did you good. ever see the movie where all the WWF wrestlers live in the Ghostbusters firehouse? No. And I, of all people, should have seen that. <laughs> it was written and directed by six year old me, and it was never filmed. But that. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I'm sitting next to that house right now, actually, where it was filmed. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I, I have two. I spent all my time. I do have two <laughs> movies that I want to mention. I have two movies that I think Brian would actually really like. Um, the first one is called One Br One Bedroom, and um, it is a cult movie. I heard about it, and we watched the trailer, and I'm like, that's either going to be really good or really bad, and I don't feel like finding out. So I'm glad that you saw it first. Yep. I, I liked it a lot. I th- thought that it was um, really, it, it'll be up your alley. I think that you should okay. give it a shot. Uh, and the other movie that I think you will really love is uh, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Have you heard about it? See that I see the cover every day because it looks so, the cover looks so cool because it's literally just like a red, like just a red cover with like gothic writing. Yep. But I have not watched it. And that's one that a bunch of friends, even people who aren't horror fans, have messaged me and told me that I would really like that movie, too. 
Oh, you guys should watch both watch it. it. Let me tell you, I, I think you guys would both like it for different reasons. Brian will love it for what it is, and I think that Matt will love it because of the characterizations. Okay. So, I mean, like, the main character, the the police chief, the young police chief, Matt, you will absolutely love the way he acts, and you will love his, his, um, his story arc. It's very funny, but also kind of depressing. It's kind of almost got a dramedy thing going on. It's an hour and 40, which I thought that was going to be excessively long, but it worked out perfectly. Um, it is not a high action movie. And I'm not telling you guys anything about either movie more than I absolutely had to, because I think you should both watch them. Um, I think they're both really good movies. Um, they're not necessarily movies that I would rewatch because they're not they're not Gretel and Hansel or Underwater or Color Out of Space or Blood Vessel. You know, those are the movies that I'm watching, like, or Babysitter, Killer Queen. Those are the movies that I'm watching from 2020 in 2021. But I think that you guys would both really appreciate 1BR and Wolf of Snow Hollow. Okay, nice. awesome. Um, and my last one's kind of short because I don't have too much to say about it, but I saw that Shudder had the movie Patrick, and uh, I remembered it from... Not Quite Hollywood, the documentary about uh, Ozzy's exploitation, And it's it's actually a decent movie, but I would never pick it for the show because it's it's just way too long. It's almost two hours long. Ugh. And the premise, like the premise is fun. It's, it's, you know, dude in a coma who's killing people with his brain power. Oh, that movie. Yeah. yeah and it's like the load, like the poster is just his eyeballs staring with the word Patrick above it. The thing with Ozzy exploitation films, and we kind of dipped into this a little bit with Howling three, but as I've watched more and more of these movies, like they are, they are very interestingly shot because they're, they're definitely, they've got that, that scrappy go get them attitude. But you know, if I was to make a movie, I would play it safe because I'd be really worried that, like, I needed the movie to be watchable. So, like, camera shots would be very static, say. But, like, I don't know what was going on where they just didn't give a fuck and they were just, like, throwing cameras left and right and doing all types of crazy camera shots and angles. And, like, the the camera just feels like it's always moving when you're watching those movies. So like from that standpoint, it's worth watching at least once just to like, look at the cinematography in it. That is the end of 2020. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that, you know, when in three days, the world is going to normalize because it's suddenly 2022 or 2021. But, uh, you know, here's hoping for a better year. I think personally, uh, just speaking for myself, but I think I speak for, for the other two guys here that as much as a shit show as this year was, I do look back at it fondly. I think that horror movie night as a show has done a lot of really cool, incredible things. Um, you know, we did our 15 hour live stream. We did another live stream with Geekscape, Geekscape as well. And I think that this was one of our best years, just pure content wise. Um, so, you know, it's not, doesn't make up for all of the bad things that happened in 2020, but from a personal standpoint, I think we, I, I'm proud of us. I think that we stepped up and really took it, it. No one would have blamed us if we had said, you know what, let's just take a break and, and, you know, let the world do its thing. But we decided to do what I think is a much more difficult option of trying to be funny and upbeat and optimistic in the worst of times. And, you know, sometimes we succeeded, sometimes we didn't, but. I'm really proud of what we did, and I hope 
Scott and Brian are as well. Well, this is an escape for me. So, I mean, like, I love watching horror movies and then joking with you guys about them. It doesn't remind, it makes me forget about the, the existential terror of living during this time. So I think that that's what our listeners come to for uh, um, to us for as well. Uh, and and we're going to keep that going in 2021, guys. No matter Hell how much yeah. better it gets, we're still going to be the fantasy. We'll be your fantasy in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> and I like not having to hug people goodbye anymore. <laughs> All right, that was Horror Movie Night signing off for 2020. We'll see you next year. We're making an ad. Napping yeah. ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm-hmm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been canceled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> so um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! You're listening to the Geekscape Network.